Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And here we are. This is the Investor Coaching Show, and I am Paul Paul Winkler. Winkler. (laughs) <laughs> and he is Evan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Evan Barnett. <laughs> no, I am not him. Paul Winkler, talking world of money and investing. Okay, so um, let's hit a basic thing here. And then... Okay. Okay, so you're going to get information about investing because you've heard that, you know, investing is a good idea. Uh-huh. You know, don't spend everything you got right now. You ought to invest. Okay. And uh, my wife sent, just remind me of something my wife sent me yesterday. It was um, this guy saying, if you put $100 a month right. in a diversified mutual fund, oh, okay. that you will have 40, in 40 years, you will have... million or something. I forgot what it was. Something like that. And uh, and, and I I don't remember. It was something like that. It was like like $1.7 million. Well, it depends. It highly depends on the return return. assumption. I mean, you better. And you didn't panic and so forth. Yeah, you, in fact, you. 40 years, that's probably only like a a 10% Was it 12? 12% 12 return was, was, was what the estimation was. And I said, oh, boy. Oh boy. And and she goes, Yeah, I knew you wouldn't like that. <laughs> and I said, No, I don't <laughs> like it. And the reason I don't like it was because they weren't considering the person was not considering inflation, number one. Secondarily, I know what the person typically recommends as far as an asset mix, and it's not good. Uh, they're usually recommending like growth, growth and in income, aggressive growth and all of that kind of stuff, which is, you know, what you're doing is buying companies that have grown in the past. Historic rate of return. Forget about inflation for large growth companies is more in the neighborhood of about 8% to 9%. Now, why why would you get 12%? Well, the reason you get 12 is because you found funds that had a 10-year track record that exceeded the benchmark or the area of the market. For that period of time. And then you assume that they're going to continue to exceed right. the benchmark by 3 to 4%. That's right. pretty highly unlikely. Uh, seeing as past performance is no guarantee of future performance, as they say in the prospectus. But, you know, so what happens is that you look at, well, what if you diversify more? You know, you're going to have large and small and value and all of those types of asset categories. It's going to be not just in those growth companies, but even still, your rate of return, your expected rate of return for that long period of time, maybe no more than 7 to 8% above inflation, which is a heck of a lot better than CDs right. at, sure. at 0.4. Sure. Um, but, you know, if you look at that and you go, well, how much money would you have? Well, the answer over that period of time would have been one third of the amount of money that was being projected in that thing telling you how much you should save into a mutual fund. And I said to my wife back, I says, well, imagine living on one third of your income. How happy would you be? Right. Not very happy. You'd be a little bit upset that you're living on one third. And that's a problem. You know, so hence what happens is sometimes when people throw out numbers like that to try to sell people on the idea of an investing, sometimes they over project the returns and expectations are huge. 
You know, and when we talk about expectations, I, you know, I tell people that expect market returns, for example. That would sure. be a better thing to do. Expect market returns. Now, don't expect 3 to 4% above market returns like what was happening in that particular right. uh, presentation. Yeah. So, investing in mutual funds. So, you uh -huh. go, okay, it's a good idea to invest in mutual funds. Why? Because what are mutual funds? Well, I'm, it's a commingled investment vehicles, as we often call them. And the idea being that we're putting everybody's money into a big pot. And instead of owning one share of this company, a half a share of this company, a quarter of a share of this company, and so on and so forth, uh, I can buy in round lots. I can have lower cost 100 share units and things like that, which is not as big of a deal as it used to be, but it's still a pretty big deal to make sure that you buy more in bulk because you can do trading in blocks and things like that. Now, let's say that you do that. Now you own a fund and you own maybe one one thousandth of a share of this company and so on and so forth. And you're really, really diversified. You know, a mutual fund allows you to get a level of diversification that you can't get. Uh, it wouldn't be practical to even try to pull it off on your own, uh, especially, you know, if you're, unless you got, you know, if you're a, a 50 to 100 millionaire uh, and, you know, 50, 50 million dollars. investable assets. Yeah, investable assets, yeah. And then you're looking at maybe you could pull it off. But you'd be losing on a lot of things, you know, like for if you're using more institutional types of investments, you might be losing, you know, securities lending revenue, might be losing the trading uh, acumen that uh, that uh, in a, in an institutional manager would have where they're, you know, they're trading based on on momentum and, and to keep costs down and things like that or profitability factors or other factors and, and you lose that. But in essence, the idea behind a mutual fund gives people access. So people, okay, mutual funds. Uh, people also hear about ETFs and they uh -huh. say that, that's a good idea. Uh, and, you know, maybe in some asset classes, that is a, a decent idea. Well, the Wall Street Journal had an article about this. Okay. How to invest in mutual funds oh. was the title of the article. So, you know, so reaching your financial goals is easy if you follow these key steps. Well, we all want easy. Absolutely. I mean, that would, that would be nice. Eat less, move more. Yeah, exactly. So what they did is they said investing in stocks and bonds, one of the best ways to build wealth over the long term. And I would agree. You know, if you look historically at stock markets, uh, you get to own companies. Most successful people own companies. You know, just name the most successful people you know. And where they own, they own companies, you know, whether it be, you know, Elon Musk or, you know, Bill Gates or, you know, Warren Buffett or, you know, whatever. Uh, you have people that are successful, they own companies. Uh, you know, so you look at, you know, stocks and say, okay, so, you know, I want to do that. I want to diversify. Uh, and, you know, how do you do that? And in this article, they're talking about owning mutual funds. And then bonds, you know, typically what you're looking for is a part of your portfolio there where the companies are borrowing money. So they pay interest. And because let's say a company goes totally bust, just totally bust. And all of a sudden, everything has to be liquidated. Their buildings have to be liquidated. Their inventories have to be liquidated, whatever. The first people to be paid back are the bondholders. So you'll typically hear about bonds being safer than stocks for that particular reason, because the last people to be paid are the stockholders, if there's anything left. You know, so hence that's why you diversify because you could have a situation where your company goes bust. And if that's the only company you own in your portfolio, good luck. So they say, you know, set an investing goal. You know, so set, set a goal, which is a good idea. You know, is how long? Totally. Before, yeah. How long? Like what would be typical goals, Evan? Uh, typical goals, you know, if you're saving for college and your child is, say, 10. Okay. You got an eight-year horizon retirement depending on your age, that could be anywhere from 10 to 40 years down the road. Sure. 
So it's going to be your time horizon is going to be one of them. Yep. Uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, how important is that time horizon? Is it a goal that's seven years away and you've got no flexibility in that? I've got to have this money back right. in seven years. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be as flexible in your investing strategy. You're not going to be able to take as much risk as, as in a market risk because you got to make sure that that money's there. You can't be seven years down the road and then there's a market downturn and you need all that money at that point in time. You got to right. be very conscious of that. And then you got to say, that, so first thing is set your goals. Then you've got to decide an account type. And there are lots of different account types out there. Like, for instance, you've got 401ks. You've got... IRA, IRAs, uh, 403Bs, Roth IRAs, non-qualified accounts. Yeah, you've got, you know, like maybe a 529 plan yep. for college education. Education savings account. You know, in ESAs. Health yeah. savings account. Health savings account. <laughs> there you go. You know, so you might have a different type of account that depending on what you're investing for. You know, standard brokerage account or a regular investment account, non-qualified account, as you often hear us talk about it. Whereas I don't want to be any, I want to be restricted on how much money I can put away. I can put away as much money as I want to. Nobody's going to tell me that I can't do that. You know, the only thing that's going to tell me I can't do this, I don't have the money. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, then, but then you got the negative of it. You got to pay taxes on interest and, you know, you, you might have capital gains rates. Taxes are lower. So you're only paying taxes at capital gains rates, which, you know, the highest rate for capital gains purposes is uh, 20 and then you you might have a little excise tax on top of that. But, you know, instead, that's a lot better than 37 uh, and plus state income taxes if you're in a state that has an income tax. So, you know, we look at that and we go, OK, well, you know, there and then you don't have, you don't have to pay taxes unless the stock is sold at a gain. You might have to pay some taxes on the dividends. You might have qualified dividends versus non-qualified dividends. And Evan probably do a dissertation on that. You know, what makes a qualified <laughs> dividend versus a non-qualified dividend? We won't put you through that torture, though, I'll this be sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sleeping at the time he gets done. <laughs> uh, but um, so, you know, the different types of accounts. And then, you know, th then you say Roth IRAs. And you'll have limited amounts of money that you can put in. You know, you'll have limitations. Then you can pick your investment strategy. And, you know, one thing they say is look at the management fees. So I agree, you know, management fees are important. But too often... It's like the only thing that matters to some financial people in the press when they're talking about investing. Yeah. You know, choose your mutual funds and make sure your management fees are this. And, you know, they used a, uh, you know, a fee of, uh, of 0.6, which tells me off, right off the bat that you're looking at mainly investing in bigger companies because bigger companies are less expensive to manage. So that you're, you're looking at a problem right there right away. I did a thing where I actually walked through. What if you invested in the highest cost mutual funds? Remember when I did that, Evan? Uh, I, no, I don't actually. Okay, so I did a funny thing. <laughs> if you don't remember it, then some other people are listening I've don't remember it. Then. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so what I did is I took the lowest cost mutual funds out there. Uh -huh. It was like uh, a couple of, you know, the really, really popular mutual funds. And then I said, what if I just invested in the three highest cost? I mean, I combed the entire Morningstar database for the highest cost small value mutual funds, uh -huh. period, end of sentence. Okay. And then what I did is I showed the difference in accumulation, and it was it was comical. I don't remember what it was. It was three or six times as much money you would have had. So your low-cost fund was probably large. No, small, small value. 
Oh, you were still oh, in yes, the same yes, asset yes, class. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, it was large. Yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Okay, yes. there you go. So I, I did the yes. lowest cost funds, the most popular funds. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. And then I did it against the, the highest cost funds, and I just it was just kind of a joke that I was doing. So then they then they say, okay, so you know you've got these fund companies. Now next thing you got to do is research your fund companies. You want fund companies that you don't have a lot of lawsuits against, which I think is a good idea. Yeah, you know you don't want to be investing with the you know in fund companies that their names in the media every you know couple of weeks for the wrong reasons. So it's probably not a bad idea to make sure that you don't have lots of lawsuits. And then they said, you know, they had um, they had fund companies and they they had their favorites and they said a cult favorite. And uh, I'm I'm really big on cults. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, Vanguard was one of them, and Fidelity was another one. American Funds was another one. I did. I picked on Van, American Funds a few weeks ago, so I won't pick on them again. I took the, all of the these uh, the funds, the mutual funds in American right. Funds. I took their target date fund. Oh, yeah. And I said, what if you invested in every one of those funds that are in the target date fund? Right. And it was like they all own the same stocks. It was just oh, ridiculous. Yeah. It was so goofy. I think nine was my record in the past for- It was even higher than that. Analyzing a portfolio. It was even higher than that. Was it really? Oh, it was even higher than that. It, it, it was more like 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was terrible. Uh, where you had- 15 different mutual funds owned Microsoft. I mean, it was that bad. It was just stupid. You know, And this is a fund that they put together. Right. I didn't cherry pick They them. should know. The investor may not, but they should sure know. I, yes, yes, you, you would think. So then what I did is I said, okay, well, uh, they got this cult following, blah, blah, blah. And then, they, then I said, oh, wait a minute. It says, here are some of the buy side from Wall Street Journal's favorite Vanguard mutual funds. And it's a hyperlink. Uh-huh. So, you know, I like hyperlinks. So I hit the hyperlink to see what the article led to. And it did. It led to another article, Best Vanguard Funds. There you go. And then it says Vanguard, uh, very, van, it says very few brands manage to be the biggest players in the industry. Yeah. So we're talking about the big, big, big fund company. And then what they did is they listed out their five fav favorite mutual funds. Okay. So... All you have to do to be a successful investor is just do this. Buy these five funds, right? So I, um, I ran that through Morningstar. And what I found was that they had four funds that were stock funds was a bond fund. One was a bond fund. So okay. I, now I'm just ignore the bond fund, you know, because we're looking at stocks and, uh, and, you know, what we're looking at investing in is getting a good way to diversify our investment portfolio, so to speak. Okay. And uh, here's what it looked like. So if you do what's called an overlap analysis of this, you bought those five funds, three of or those four funds, because four are more stock funds. Three of those four stock funds owned Microsoft. It was the largest holding. The second largest holding was Apple. Uh, two of them held it. United Health Group, three of them owned it. Uh, let's see, Amazon, two of them held it. Alphabet, uh, Google owned two of them. Uh, Procter & Gamble, three of the mutual funds owned it. McDonald's, three of the funds owned it. Um, Honeywell International, three of the funds owned it. Interestingly, two of the U.S. stock funds plus the international stock fund. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Isn't that funny? You know, those uh, two of them are U.S. stock funds, and, and they held that. Uh, Visa was the next one. NVIDIA was the next one. Texas Instruments was the next one. Need I go on? So it went on and on and on overlap in these funds. Now, anybody want to venture kind of an opinion on 
you know, as, as far as the companies that I named, were they all companies that were familiar to you? Yeah. Leviticus nodding. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are you doing? You're all investing in big familiar companies, which smacks of something called familiarity bias. We like investing in familiar stocks. So yes. the most popular mutual funds and the ones that they liked the most are all investing in the same stuff. And when things go wrong, which they can, you know, I mean, yep. we've talked about it many times. You can go 18, 20 years, no returns, no returns, zero returns. Imagine like you're Evan and he's talking about seven years. This goal is away, right? Well, now you got to wait another 13 just to get up to the point where you have no return, where you're not in the negative. And your child will be 32 when they go to college. Go to college. Yeah, that's, that's fine, isn't it? I mean, you know, if, you're, if, you have, if you have, like, great attachment to your child you and maybe, you know, you like having them around, you right. want them around forever living in your basement, it's not a bad idea. Yep, totally. I mean, you know, could get a little bit old. Yes. But... I mean, you yes. better get used to it. <laughs> so hence, this whole article on how to, how to buy mutual funds is nothing but an advertisement. You wouldn't look at it as an advertisement. Right, right. You would be reading this for information purposes. And hence, it is the reason I have such a problem with so much of the writing in the media on yeah. investing. Well, and, and it's a reinforcing loop. You know, people talk about D.C. being an echo chamber. Well, boy, the, the investment industry oh boy. is the ultimate echo chamber. And, uh, you know, you're talking about familiarity bias. But what do you talk about with your friends if you choose to talk about investing? Or in this case, I think I was a hypothetical new investor that mm -hmm. had some discretionary dollars to do. Right. You know, you hear your friends talking about Apple, talking about Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Google, mm -hmm. Tesla, NVIDIA. Or those fun companies you know, because that's what they've got right. at their work 401k. And so now herding bias kicks in. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be part of the cool crowd. I don't want to be the guy that says, get rid of the booze at the party, you know. You, right. And so all of those biases work against the investor. Which is interesting because you think about herding bias. Uh, why is it that we end up doing the same thing and then we all complain the same, not, not we, but the investors. I mean, you think about the misery that people yeah. felt so much so that even Barack Obama talked about the dead decade. You know, right, that people right. had gone for an entire 10 year period with no return. And, you know, when you get that into presidential politics, you know, they don't talk about something that nobody's talking about. Right. <laughs> you know, they're talking it's about something. mind awareness. Yeah, it's what everybody's talking about. And that's exactly what was going on where people were and they just thought, well, everybody's going through the same thing. And misery likes company, and it, it feels yeah. okay. And that is part of our psychological bias because we all want a sense of belonging as humans. Now, we, we may get that sense of belonging, but wouldn't it be nice not to be the person that doesn't belong in that group of people that are called failed investors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, that seems like a good idea. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. 
Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, you said something about that last segment. So yeah, I'm you know, you, go. you were you were talking about the the large stock holdings that were common in those popular funds, and you know, we're talking about familiarity and so forth. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we do an exercise in the American Dream Experience that two day uh, transformational workshop around money and investing and purpose and so forth. And we have an exercise that we do on the second day called abject absurdity, mm-hmm. and we go through uh, an uh, I don't know what you call it, just a role play to really drive home how crazy stock picking is and how absurd. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the inherent claim in picking a stock is, well, that's the best stock. Otherwise, I would have picked a different one. Now, you may not think that when you're choosing it. You mm-hmm. think it's familiar. I know it and so forth. But if we look at I'm going to use Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. Clearly winners in the marketplace. Growth companies. Well-known companies. They have clearly been winners, so they must be great investments. That's correct. Well, over the last five years. In dominating the index portfolios, as I've been talking about. Yes, a huge percentage. Yes. Well, in the five-year performance, Apple was beat by 1,120 companies in terms of performance in the last five years. And what? 1,120. Wow. Microsoft was beat by 1,239 companies. Oh, that's amazing. Google, 2,663. Amazon, 3,420. Yeah. And so- What? 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 You guys say that last one again. Amazon was ranked 3,420. So it was actually beat by 3,419 stocks over the last five years. That's amazing. And so I wanted, and then I'm going to cover the three-year data. I think it's sick that you guys actually went and looked at that data. (laughs) (laughs) You are even more bored than I am. Okay. The last three-year performance, Apple was beat by 2,390. Microsoft was beat by 2,994 stocks, uh-huh. had a better return uh-huh. than Microsoft over the three years. Google was beat by 3,992. 3, Amazon, this blew my mind, was beat by 7,955 stocks. And so that is mind there's people, you know, like the fund or even an individual investor out there that's doing it on their own says, well, I bought Apple and so forth. Uh-huh. And well, it's it's done well for me. It's you know I don't want to pay the taxes, right? And yet, twenty four hundred stocks almost did better than that over the last three years. What did you maybe miss out on 
not paying the taxes and continuing to pick yeah. those stocks. Because stock picking isn't just at the moment of choice. Mm-hmm. Every day that you hold it, mm-hmm. you're stock picking. I'm right. using that as my choice versus selling it and buying something you, else. You are betting that that company is going to do better than other alternatives that Correct. might be out there. Yeah. And so, you know, most people don't think about investing that way. Like, well, I'm not right. picking stocks. I bought Apple five years ago. Right. I bought Amazon 10 years ago. It's done really great. Mm-hmm. No argument for me whatsoever. And it's not that you shouldn't hold take, those companies in a portfolio. Take the win, but you you were beat by almost 8,000 stocks maybe sell, diversify and you know go on a more academic track it's just it's really interesting how well you were talking about in a previous segment that mm-hmm. growth stocks don't do you know they return say 8 or 9% long term mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. cuz they're safer they've grown they've got huge capital they have strong profitability mm-hmm. Well, going forward, that means their return is not going to be as high mm-hmm. as a riskier company, whether it's a startup or not. Yeah, well, and what people don't realize, they think about, I, I want to invest in this company. I think it's going to really do great. And then I turn around and go, do you think that they want to pay more to use your money than alternatives? Right. And it doesn't make any sense. Well, no, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that's exactly what you're expecting when you expect higher returns, that they are going to pay more to use your money than other people, you know, the current owners. Because you think about it, when you when we sell it, you're buying it from another owner, too. That's another part of it that just gets really, people get mixed up. And, you know, when I buy a stock, I'm not giving my money directly to that company. So, you know, in essence, the only time that it happens is an IPO when it's first initially, initial public offering is what it stands for when it was initially put out there. But in essence, that's it's just an easy way to get you to understand it, that they're going to pay more to use your money because what do they have to give up to actually get use of your money, the earnings of that company. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.